Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. It's great to be here with you all. Happy December. Um, I wanted to make mention of just two things, two uh, celebrations, two victories um, on behalf of NAPNAS. Uh, first and foremost, there was a, a matching fund that was presented to you by Ben a couple weeks ago for LifeWise. It was a $10,000 anonymous donor said, hey, I'll give $10,000 dollar for dollar matching. Um, up through this past Tuesday, I'm happy to announce that as a community, we matched that fund. And it's so exciting. Um, so I just want to thank you all. Yes, thank you. Uh, I just want to thank everyone everybody for their participation with that. And then the second piece of victory is that uh, we've been telling everyone about Project We Care. And we had all those tags online to be taken, and they too were all taken. Um, So all those kids will be receiving gifts because of this church, this church uh, centrally. Um, So again, we thank you so much. Um, I did want to remind you, though, today is the last day to make sure those gifts are brought in for Project We Care. Uh, Wednesday being the absolute last day, but today is really the, the last day. So just re- remember, remember that. Hey, we are, we are beginning our Advent series. This is the second week of Advent, and we are jumping into the book of Luke. And just like last week, we learned that we are truly jumping in to the middle of the story. But if you've ever wondered, if you've ever questioned or been curious what it is to read the Bible, this is a great place to start. And I would encourage you to do it along with us. Last week we did the first part of chapter 1. This week we're going to go through just 13 verses of chapter 1. And I would encourage you, we're going to take chunk by chunk, verse by verse, over the next five weeks through the first two chapters of the book of Luke. Would you join us in this journey? And last week we learned all about limitations that we place on ourselves, which prevents God from working in our lives. Today we're talking about, we're t- we're talking about expectations and what happens when we hold expectations close to our heart, close to our chest, not allowing God to receive our expectations so that we can then receive opportunities from him, the unexpected opportunities. And I wanted to talk about an unexpected thing that happened in my life which ultimately ended up in something really, really cool. When I was a sophomore in high school, I know you're thinking like sophomore in high school, what in the world? Sophomore in high school, Jordan came up to me. Jordan's my brother, for those who don't know. He's my twin brother, which makes this even crazier. He came up to me one night as I was preparing uh, to get to bed, and he looks at me and he says, hey, who are you planning to ask to homecoming? Now this is odd, because me and Jordan, we never talked about girls. We never did that growing up. And so the fact that Jordan's coming to me asking me, hey, who are you planning on asking to homecoming? It caught me off guard. Well, I told him, Kelsey. I'm planning on asking Kelsey to homecoming. For those of you who don't know, Kelsey is my sister-in-law today. So things got weird. So the next day, I'm expecting, I, I haven't really given it much thought, and Kelsey was a friend. I wasn't asking her because I thought um, I had this huge priority staked in asking Kelsey, but Kelsey was a friend. I had known her since I was 12. As far as I was concerned, it was a shoe-in. I was pretty proud, pretty prideful. It was a certain yes. I was going to get a yes from Kelsey. Well, the next day, I was standing at my locker at the end of the day. Jordan comes up to me and says, hey, I'm going to homecoming with Kelsey. What? (laughs) 
do you mean? Yeah, I just asked her, we just talked about this last night. I said, I was taking her. Did you not hear me? He's, and he walks away with a big smile on his face. <laughs> Clearly unexpected. And what was even more unexpected than that, 14 years ago, is that one day Jordan and Kelsey would be married with two kids. Now, I could have held on to my expectation with a fist and slugged him one. But I didn't. I'd like to think I had some part in their marriage today. Good on me for letting them do that. But you know, in the midst of that, in the midst of that expectation being placed, there was a lot of nerves that came along with that. No sophomore boy who, wants, who has a plan on asking a girl to homecoming wants to be told, sorry, that date's been taken. All of a sudden, I got nervous and anxious and a little stressed out, thinking, now who am I going to ask? That was my shoe in. You know, not every unexpected thing is a pleasant thing in our lives. But one of the things that we, we need to learn and come to realize is that God is still working in the unexpected. Now, this was a trivial thing, homecoming, high school dance. But the fact of the matter is, so often we become so prideful on holding expectations close to our hearts, close to our chest, and we hold them with closed fists. But in the midst of doing that, and it's a cliche image, but in the midst of holding, in the midst of holding our expectations with closed fists, we don't have open hands to receive what God has in store for us. So there's nothing wrong with having expectations. But here's the fact of the matter. That expectations are a result of pride. And what I didn't realize in the midst of my pride, <laughs> in the midst of thinking that Kelsey was shooing, what I didn't realize was that Kelsey had the hots for Jordan. She wanted to go with him since the very beginning. I didn't realize that. In fact, she had been trying to slip her way into Jordan's life to make sure that he asked her and Jordan was doing the same. I didn't realize this. I was blind to it. I was prideful. And again, this is just a small thing, but how often do we set expectations in our lives and we become proud of those expectations? We hold them with close fists saying, this is what needs to happen. And I think of the life of our church right now, going through this pastoral transition, this leadership transition. So many of us have expectations on what should happen in the coming months, when it should happen, how it should happen, who it should be. I know this because I've heard all of your suggestions. I've heard of all your expectations. So many people have already come to me and I've heard the full spectrum of expectations placed and I, well, I'm here to tell you that not everybody is going to have their expectations met because there's a whole spectrum of them. That means somebody is going to be disappointed. And yet, friends, today I'd ask you, are you taking those expectations that you have for this church and are you presenting them to God with open hands saying, God, yes, this is what I want, this is what I desire, but how will you work in the midst of my expectations? How will you go beyond? In the same way that I never would have imagined Jordan and Kelsey would be married, can you imagine how much greater he will use this church through his ways that are oftentimes unexpected by us? Some of you, maybe you're thinking about your own children, your own grandchildren, your friends, your family. You've placed expectations for your own futures. You've placed expectations on what lunch is going to be today. And some of you are going to be disappointed. Friends, today, how are you taking these expectations and praying past them? It's okay to have expectations. I have expectations. Even for the life of this church, for my own future. And yet today what we're going to learn through the second part of Luke 1, is that God wants and has and does the unexpected. 
There's no way our mind could ever truly comprehend what God is up to. And so as we jump into Luke 1 today, like I've already mentioned, we're jumping into a middle of a story. It's the New Testament. We've skipped all of the Old Testament, and we'll go back and forth sometimes. But in the midst of this new story, I like to imagine the Bible as this grand drama, this grand play. It's this good versus evil. It's the very thing that draws us in. And in the midst of this grand drama being played out, I like to think that in heaven there's this big movie theater. And as this grand drama of good versus evil is being played out, all of the angels are eating popcorn, waiting to see what might happen next. And they know that it's good versus evil. They know that God is in the midst of this grand plan to restore his world, his creation, back to himself. Because sin entered the world. Evil entered. Good versus evil. Good versus evil. And as the angels have been watching on the big screen to see what God's going to do, they're realizing, man, these humans, they mess everything up. God keeps on trying to use them in his plan, his way, to to restore good back to this earth. And humans, man, they mess everything up. They're all talking to each other. Here it goes again. There he goes. Friends, today you and I, we have an active role in what God is doing in this drama. In this play. In what God is doing to restore good versus evil, you and I have a role. And through watching this film, watching what's going on, by opening up to the book of Luke, we then can observe how God wants to use us in the unexpected ways. And so that's where we be today. Because in many ways, as we are walking through the, the, book, the season of Advent, we know that eventually Jesus is born. We know the end of the story. But let me tell you this right now, that before Jesus was born, they had expectations for what the Savior was going to be like, where he was going to be born, how he was going to look, what he was going to be like, powerful, mighty, conquering. He was going to be a person of significance. And yet God does something crazy. One of the major plot twists in the stories comes in today's piece of scripture. And friends, it's all because, it's all because one young teenage girl had lived with open hands with expectations open hands are simply a symbol of an open heart for God to move in your life and she was able to receive the unexpected journey the unexpected role the unexpected responsibility that was placed upon her because of life lived because of a life lived with a humble heart friends today will you join me in Luke chapter 2 I'm sorry, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And as we jump in there today, I want to ask this one question. How do we start living with open hands regarding our expectations in order to receive the unexpected from God? How do we start living with open hands to receive the unexpected from God? And we're going to see just how this plays out in the life of Mary. Chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, there was a lot of details in these first two verses. We see Nazareth. Well, first off, we need to know. (laughs) Nazareth is, it's insignificant to say the least. If last week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they are Israelites, and in the midst of the Israelites, they, Israelites were truly insignificant people in regards to the world at large. Well, if we're going to Nazareth, we are all of a sudden in the midst of the insignificant of the insignificant. It was this tiny, podunk town. Nothing good 
happens there. In fact, in the book of John, we see one man said, can anything good come from Nazareth? This is the expectations. This is the attitude of Nazareth. Nazareth was located about 15 miles from here to Defiance from the Sea of Galilee. Galilee was just this tiny little sea where fishermen went to go do business. And even that was insignificant in regards to everything else around the the region. And so we see Nazareth being this insignificant town. And if if I was an angel watching this play being drawn out and all of a sudden I come across Nazareth, I'm sitting there like, Nazareth? What's God going to do with Nazareth? Nothing good can come from Nazareth. But we would be good to remember that this wouldn't be the first time God did something amazing through a small town. Then we see Joseph. Joseph is the person that Mary is engaged to. And we're told that he comes from the house of David. This should be noted. Whenever you read the New Testament and you come across the name David, you need to make note of it. Not because Joseph was something special, but because David is something special. And to be noted that he is from this lineage, David was this king of the Israelites. He was the best king of the Israelites, and he made crucial mistakes. But one thing that we do know is that David was a man after God's own heart. And despite his mistakes, despite his mistakes, he was made a promise with God, by God. This Davidic covenant and saying, hey, If the people of Israel continue to live for me, if they live for me wholeheartedly, pursue me with everything they have, I will give them rest and security. I will make sure that there's a king on their throne forever. And so again, the angels, knowing the context of this, they are seeing, wait a minute, David, something's about to happen. Something is about to happen. And then the third detail that we have with this setting, the Virgin Mary. Now, we know, if you've been around the church for all of two seconds, you know about the story of the Virgin Mary. She's a virgin, and she gave birth. Something crazy happened. And we like to highlight this, and we shouldn't understate this. This is a miracle. By all means, this is a miracle. But what we often forget, what we often don't realize, is that Mary, a woman in first century Middle Eastern culture, she was viewed as just this much higher than nothing. As a woman, she had no place in that society. And not only that, she was not married. She had virtually no significance in this world. So here we have this young teenage girl, inexperienced, insignificant, and insecure. Insecure simply meaning she has no security. She has no credibility. She has nothing to her name to make her anything of worth. Inexperienced, insecure, and insignificant. And again, we come back to the scene. We're watching the angels watching this play out, and they're like, okay, we're in Nazareth, and we got this virgin girl. What in the world is God doing? Because we know something's about to happen, and it's through David. All of these context clues are telling us, what in the world is God doing? The angels are asking, how in the world is God going to use this virgin girl? Why in the world would he even want to use her? You know, friends, today, we as a society, we as humans, we place expectations, we set these expectations on others and on ourselves because oftentimes it's what makes sense. It's logical. According to human wisdom, this is what should play out. And oftentimes, we even look at ourselves, we look in the mirror and like, why would God want to use me? What is God possibly going to do in my life, through my life, to make me of any influence? How? How? 
could he ever use me? And beyond that, not only do we place these expectations on ourselves, but we look at others and we place expectations on them. And not always consciously. We don't say, okay, well, Ron, sorry. Uh, My expectation of you is super low. I don't go around making these decisions about people, but subconsciously, well, you know, I don't think this about Ron, but I'm not going to actually go to him for any advice because I just, subconsciously, my expectation just isn't very high. And we just do this with everybody. I can, I mean, we do, whether we like it or not, we all do it. We all place these expectations on everybody around us. And therefore, we limit God. We talked about limitations last week. Expectations are just another form of limitations. That we are saying, we know what's best. We know how to do this. And therefore, it should be the way we expect it. But the fact of the matter is, before we even get into the story, we know that God is about to do something unexpected. Something that, according to human logic or understanding or wisdom, would never make sense. And yet it's because of that, that it does make sense in the eyes of God. We know that God wants to use, and he has used, the unexpected. You know, friends, today we all have expectations for this church on what leadership should be on what that next step should be. My challenge continually is, are we ready for the unexpected? And not only are we ready, are we willing to accept the unexpected? Are we willing to accept, do we have open hands to receive from God an opportunity to glorify him in an unexpected way? For your life, for your children, for your, for your, grandchildren, friends, coworkers, whatever it might be, whomever it might be, for yourself, are you taking to God these expectations? Again, nothing wrong with those as long as we're presenting them to God. Or will we continue to be the, the humans who just mess everything up when God presents us these opportunities? So we continue then, starting in verse 28. We continue to see how God is using the unexpected. And it's very interesting. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. It should be noted, we don't don't see this same greeting from Gabriel to Zechariah, who is a man, a priest after God, working for God. This is given to a teenage girl. Greetings. You who are highly favored. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You know, it's interesting, as we stop here real quick, this greeting. Greetings, you who are highly favored. You know, we're not told explicitly why Mary was highly favored. It leaves us wondering, wait a minute, this is super provocative language. This is language that should be reserved for for nobility, for, for royalty, for someone of significance and power and who has done something with their life that they have shown that they are worthy of such a greeting, and yet we come to this, and it's a young teenage girl 
that's been given this amazing greeting. You who are highly favored with God. Why? You know, uh, much in the same way that if I were in English class right now, I'd be told, context clues. Look at the context. Look at the details. What's going on that would demonstrate to us why Mary is so highly favored? Well, if we were to continue with this announcement, this grand announcement, Gabriel continues to tell who Jesus would be. And what do we discover? We discover the name David once again. David. And we've already shared that David is this amazing king that God gave this covenant to. But the fact of the matter is, the Israelites were these people who were disobedient. They didn't pursue God wholeheartedly. They didn't live for God. They didn't deserve for God to treat them so well. And yet we're told that Jesus would be the one who would fulfill this Davidic covenant. That Jesus would be this king that sits on the throne of David forever and ever. That tells us that God is going to fulfill his covenant regardless if the Israelites were actually going to live on their end of the bargain. And we have to ask, why? Why? Why would we do that? I mean, if you and I today, if we make a deal and one person doesn't follow through the deal, guess what? That contract's getting ripped to shreds. We're not following through on our end of the deal if they're not going to follow through on their end of the deal. And yet we see something about the nature of God. We see that God himself has a humble heart. And it's interesting to think about. We, I mean, we don't often think about God having a humble heart. Heart. I mean, he's the creator. He's created everything. He's created the universe, every single star. What does he have to be humble about? If there's one being in the entire scope of, of creation that shouldn't be humble, it is God. He has every right to be arrogant. And yet, God comes through and he says, look, I don't care if they haven't fulfilled my end of the, their end of the deal. I will make sure that they know how much I love them each and every day. I will go to the deepest depths. I will go through every valley. I will do anything in their lives to let them know that I love them. You see, the fact of the matter is pride would have us say this. Well, I'm not going to love them if they don't love me. I'm not going to fulfill my end of the bargain if they don't fulfill their end of the bargain. Pride says, you know what, I have dignity so therefore, I'm not going to keep on pursuing so-and-so because they keep on making me the fool. I have something proud to be standing on. I'm not going to keep on making them make me look ridiculous. And yet here God is, wearing his heart on his sleeve, saying, I don't care. I will pursue my creation regardless. And I will invite them day after day, season after season, to experience my love. The greatest opportunity in the world because we have a God with a humble heart. And all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, just maybe, this is why Mary is so highly favored. Because she, like King David, and let it be known, King David made big mistakes. He murdered he committed adultery. He committed the sins of sins. And yet we are told David was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because even in the midst of his mistakes, he had a heart so humble that in the midst of it, he would repent immediately and say, God, forgive me for what I've done. And yes, he paid those consequences. 
But despite that, he remained humble before God. And just like David, Mary too, we see, we recognize, she is highly favored because she's been living with this life of saying, God, I have these expectations for my life, but God, I have my open hands for you to take those expectations and replace them with what you have for me. Mary has this heart of humility that allows her to be prepared for the biggest responsibility the world would ever see to bear forth the savior of the world. Not because she did anything special, not because she achieved all of these things, not because she rose up the ladder of success, but because she was ready. She herself had nothing to hold on to. Insignificant, inexperienced, insecure. There was literally nothing that she could hang on to. Therefore, all she had was open hands to receive an opportunity from God. Yet so how often do we, friends, do we achieve success? Do we achieve knowledge? Do we gain a reputation and we hang on to this, thinking that this is what our world is going to be like? Therefore, if we have all of this, then our ideas, our expectations must be the way in which everybody lives by. And we hang on to them with closed fists, saying no one's going to take these away from me. But all the while, our closed fists prevent God from placing. You see, it's never about God holding out on us. It's all about us holding out on God. Just like we talked last week about us closing doors on God, our expectations are no more than us keeping God from working in our lives. It's not about God closing doors or not doing or not giving. It's all about us and how we're receiving him. The only thing is we think that our expectations should be met and we say, well, God didn't give me this expectation. And I'm saying God has something greater than that expectation. And yet, as humans, we continue to mess things up. How dire is our situation even today in the life of this church that we need to remember our expectations are only just that, our expectations. That God is moving in the life of this church. He wants to move in the life of this church. And yet, I, I fear that our expectations will keep us imprisoned to walking down one path. Friends, I have expectations too. The board members, they have expectations. Jeff has expectations. We all have expectations, but it's not about our, our expectations, but how we're presenting those expectations to God. Do we have a heart that is humble enough to receive an opportunity from God that is unexpected? Are we ready for the unexpected? And maybe even the better question is, are we willing to accept the unexpected? A heart of humility. Only Mary could do it because her heart had been completely emptied of any expectation in her life. It wasn't about where she had gone, what she had achieved, or who she was going to do it with. But everything about how open her heart was. So we continue then into the last portion of this scripture. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Yo. Remember last week, Zechariah asked a very similar question, but we'll see, we'll see there's a difference in response. Where Zechariah was muted for nine months. Let's take a look at what Gabriel says here. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be un unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Let's go back to that question real quick. How will this be? You know, many ways we, we think, well, this is the same question of Zechariah. 
and yet she receives a completely different response. Why? Why is this? Why does, why does Mary receive such a, a, a gracious response where Zechariah was unable to speak for nine months? Well, the fact of the matter is, we can understand that Zechariah was asking out of doubt, saying, there's no way this is going to happen. How do you expect this to happen? My wife is old. She can't have a child. And yet Mary is asking, not out of doubt, but out of opportunity, saying, Gabriel, how will you use me in this world? Prepare my heart for what you're going to do, for what God is going to do. How will this be? And God says, I will do it. You do nothing. I will do it. I will move through your life. I will come and I will give you the son. Not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything you've achieved. You have no reason to doubt because I will do it. Friends, the only way in which the Holy Spirit even has opportunity to come into our lives is when we give him the opportunity. The responsibility of this size requires, a responsibility of this size, size requires much room. And much room only can come from the most humble of hearts. Hands that hold on to nothing too tightly, which has allowed a heart that can be filled with everything of, of worth. Friends, today, what we have to realize is that as we keep our closed fists with our expectations, it's simply a representation of our closed hearts. We've allowed our hearts to be filled with everything that we expect in our lives. But the minute we have released hands is the minute that our hearts are released, are releasing our expectations. And maybe sometimes we'll offer God a pinky or a ring finger, say, okay, God, here's our expectations, but I'm going to keep the rest to myself. But even that, as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can certainly work with this much, but we're denying him our entire being. For the Holy Spirit to give us a responsibility of this size to bear forth the king of the world, we must have a heart that is so incredibly empty that there is nothing but the Holy Spirit in our lives. But so often we keep back. We hold back. What we don't fully appreciate, friends, today is that not only was Mary the unexpected, the most unexpected person in the world to bear forth this responsibility, but Mary herself did not expect it. Mary herself was not ready for this. I mean, think about this. I mean, she was ready, but why was she ready? In the midst of this, here's something that could happen. She becomes pregnant, guess what? Can you imagine how that conversation goes over with Joseph, whom she's not even married to yet? She goes to Joseph, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Well, how'd that happen? God, right. Because that, that, that always happens. Can you imagine that for a second? How does that conversation go over? Here we have this young, insignificant teenage girl going to the man that was going to give her purpose, that was going to give her significance, that was going to give her security, and she says, I'm pregnant. That would never go over well. She is risking everything. She's risking her every expectation she would ever have on her life. And you know what her response is? You know what her response is? Go to verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Friends, everything was at stake for Mary. You want to talk about an inconvenience? From the eyes of the world, this was a major one. And yet she simply says, 
I am a servant of the Lord. My question to us today, if, if an angel came knocking on our door, angel here, got an opportunity for you to glorify God. Yes, let's do it. We're going to, well, hold on. It's going to be a major inconvenience to every plan you had for your life. Huh. Well, tell me about this inconvenience. No. There's no negotiating with God. Friends, today, we have to ask ourselves, not simply are we ready, are we willing to experience the inconvenience of the unexpected? That'll throw us a curveball, throw us for a loop, wonder how in the world is God going to use it. And friends, not every unexpected thing is pleasant. (laughs) I lost my homecoming date. That wasn't necessarily pleasant. And yet God is able to work through even even the most unpleasant of unexpected things. It's all about where our heart is in the midst of it. And this, this can't just be waited upon. We can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to have all these expectations, hold it right here, and then expect ourselves to be ready for God when he comes knocking on our, on our door. And this requires discipline. It requires practice. It requires a lifestyle of going like this. We can know with certainty that Mary didn't have these huge expectations that she was relying upon simply by her response. I am the servant of the Lord. May it be as you have said. But how often do we, friends, do we try to negotiate with God? That's not how this works. By negotiating, it just means that we have closed fists. Friends, today, opportunities are presented to us all the time. All the time, opportunities are presented to us. The fact of the matter is, though, is that we know too much, we've experienced too much, we've heard too much. And because of that, our hearts have been hardened. We've been hurt. We've been disappointed. And in the midst of this, then we place these expectations on our lives, saying this is how things should work. The fact of the matter is, friends, is that God isn't looking for those who have achieved. God isn't looking for those who have experienced. God isn't looking for those who, who are significant in this world. God is looking for those who have a humble heart, a heart so empty that they are, it is big enough and there's room enough for him to come in and move. Friends, today... I'm not saying that we should just go after every single opportunity or pleasure of our heart. Oh, that's, a, that's an opportunity. I didn't expect it. That's an opportunity. We should. Look, what, look what he does. Look what Gabriel says. He says, hey, as a sign to you that I am who I say I am, your, your elderly aunt down the road, she's pregnant. Yep, she's pregnant. As impossible as it might seem, she's pregnant. And this is your sign. In the same way that he gave Zechariah signs. Zechariah, though, he just muted for nine months. But in doing so, he confirmed what he was doing. He confirmed his movement. Friends, there will be opportunities presented to us. And there will be opportunities presented to this church, to the board, whatever it might be. And God will confirm it. Are we ready? Are we willing to hear God's confirmation, to see what he is doing and say, I want to be there? I mean, think about your lives right now, your kids' lives, everything unexpected has occurred to get them to where you are, to get to you to where you are right now. You sitting here in this seat might be the most unexpected thing that's happened this week. But friends, let me say right now, God is moving. Are you willing and open to see what he has in store for you? Today we're going to take communion and I invite the worship band up. But friends, I would encourage you to know that there are two things we learn from this story. We learn the nature of God. 
we learn that God is not so prideful like you and me, but he is saying, I will make sure my people know how much I love them no matter what. And we also learn that God isn't looking for the achieved. He isn't looking for the success. He isn't looking for the significant. He's not looking to match our understanding and our wisdom. That God has something greater in store and sometimes it is unexpected. Are our hearts emptied enough to accept these unexpected opportunities? You know, I was, I was able to release, I was able to release my priority, my expectation of going to homecoming with Kelsey. And that wasn't so bad. But you know, today I struggle with expectations. I have expectations, even for the life of this church. Day in, day out, I have expectations week by week. I have expectations for what my year is gonna look like next year, 2023. Big expectations. Nothing wrong with expectations, friends. But if we are keeping them with closed fists, then we prevent ourselves from becoming like Mary. And here's the crazy thing. (laughs) My prayer today is that God would give me the heart of a young teenage girl. (laughs) Yeah, just let that one sink in for a hot minute. What, did he just say what he said? Yeah, okay. Insignificant, inexperienced, insecure. Because when I live into these three categories, I have nothing to hold on to but God. I'm not saying go and do nothing with the rest of your lives. We continue with our due diligence. We pursue all the good things that God has in store for us. But in the midst of those good things, if we're not keeping a heart of insignificance, if we're not keeping a heart of insecurity, and if we're not keeping a heart of inexperience, then we are tempted to hang on to what we think is best. Is your heart emptied before God? Are your hands open before God to receive the unexpected? How can God use this Advent season in your life? And so we're gonna, we're gonna take communion and I'm gonna step down, I'm gonna stop talking. And as I do, I invite you to come and gather the elements at one of the tables here. And then you take them, take, go back to your seat, and then we'll take communion together. And friends, if you, don't, if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I would invite you to just stay back. Reflect, meditate. I, would, I hope that this has been an encouraging message for you. And as we take communion together, I would invite all of the rest of you to think, how, how am I ready for the unexpected? How am I ready for the unexpected? So come. Take the elements, gather the elements, and we'll take together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.